0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.
1: Welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Thomas McCoy is our first guest. He is the president of Employee Engagement Institute. What's the secret to maximizing profit? Making companies perform at their full potential? Tom McCoy, president of Employee Engagement Institute, says it's a culture of partnership. Since 1993, Thomas has been developing high-involvement, high-performance cultures for companies to help improve performance and profit. He's done this for over 200 companies. I've invited him to join us today to share his secrets about how his firm helps companies experience their maximum potential. Thomas, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show.
2: Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to learn more about the radio show or the CEO peer groups that I lead, then visit our company's website, criticalmassforbusiness.com, 4 com, or you can call or text me anytime within business reasons at 949-887-4104. Thomas, I wonder if you might do us a favor and share a little bit about how you got started. You know, What's your background that leads up to today?
2: Sure, Uh, I'll be glad to share that with you. Back in uh, uh, after I graduated out of college, I was fortunate enough to get a job as a productivity consultant to to big industry, and uh, this was with the consulting firm, and I had the opportunity to work in the United States, Europe, and South America in industries applying uh, what was then the precursor to lean it was called applied productivity control but it was the same type of process of getting waste out of the manufacturing process and took to it like a duck to water and then uh... uh i spent six years in that with that firm and learned the process side of business uh, and then i moved to a consulting company that emphasized the behavioral psychology the the other half of the equation the people side of the business so I spent about uh, six years with them uh, implementing um, incentive-type plans to motivate performance, and I began to see the relationships between the process and the people and the whole dynamic with that, uh, basically what today is called organizational development. From there, I moved into corporate America, uh, where I had the opportunity to implement what I had learned as a practitioner. So uh, that was kind of a learn-by-doing process. Had a lot of knowledge, had a lot of experience, but up until that point hadn't truly been accountable for the outcomes. And uh, uh, spent uh, time in two different uh, corporations in in corporate America learning that whole process and the other, the the more formal and structured side of the HR requirements. Um, And then in 93... I wrote my first book called Compensation and Motivation, uh, and started my consulting practice.
1: What was the impetus or inspiration to write your first book?
2: Thanks for asking that question. I had, for a long time, been—I uh, had the great good fortune to have experienced almost by accident a uh, a program that used incentives to motivate a performance. Um, and it was with a major uh, copier manufacturer at the time. You might be able to guess their name. Uh, and it was in their manufacturing environment, and the results at the end of the first year were just astounding. High quality improvement, high schedule attainment, low cost uh, um, coming in under budget. So I was really sold on this engaging the employee part of it. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, I had been out on a shop floor one time in the midnight shift doing the early process consulting work when a supervisor looked at me and said, you know, Tom, we understand your APC model and, and we're going to squeeze the, the the waste out of this process. And But he pointed out onto the floor and he said, but what's in it for them? And that's when I realized that, that the process side of it had, had left out a, a huge component that we weren't even looking at, and that was the people side of it. So... So with all that momentum and experience as to the value of incentives to motivate employees, I kept singing that song and nobody was listening to it. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do all the research uh, and I'm going to write a book and validate the concept. And in 93, I wrote uh, Compensation and Motivation and it sold over 12,000 copies, uh, which is considered a bestseller in the business book environment. Right, Um, and uh, and almost helped jumpstart the incentive pay uh, concept that today is embraced by everyone. But back in '93, wasn't embraced by anybody except sales forces.
1: Exactly, we're talking with Thomas McCoy. He's president of Employee Engagement Institute. You know, you must have felt a little bit odd or treated as you were a little bit odd in '93 talking about. Uh, employee engagement and how compensation and incentives can drive motivation so uh, i'm glad that your book was well received but in some ways i i, I feel like you you might have felt like you were sort of uh speaking to people who co- didn't quite get what you were talking about at that point is, is that fair
2: rick you hit that right on the head there was a lot of missionary work involved
1: and, and it's a it's an i'm sorry tom but it's an interesting relationship because it's Uh, You talked about salespeople. That's a pretty clear compensation incentive motivation for most sales organizations. But inside of a company, your research must have found that you have to really be thoughtful in how you put these compensation plans together to truly get the desired outcome that you want to motivate your people to.
2: Um, Yes, you're absolutely right. And uh, what that requires is just a fundamental understanding of some behavioral psychology principles there's only three or four of them and they've all got acronyms to them but if you include if you incorporate them and can if you understand them and incorporate them into the fabric of your culture you're going to have a culture that's constantly rewarding for everybody involved we did the long hard work on that and we identified that the real relationship that is most effective is a relationship is a partnership and so We've designed a a model and a process called Applied Engagement uh, where we have a, a model based on a culture of partnership. What does it take to create a culture of partnership? And basically that's how do you design your management practices so that they interface with your employees so that the employees' needs are met as a result of them helping the organization meet its needs. So that's a partnership.
1: So is it is your work and your research, does it show the importance of first-level supervisors and managers in building this culture of partnership? And if it does, can you talk about it, Tom?
2: Yeah, those four people, uh, first-line managers and supervisors, they're between a rock and a hard spot. They have to get – they receive directives from above and they receive resistance from below. And they've Mm. got to somehow – make that match run smoothly. And one of the problems is that that they don't have the tools to support their initiatives. And so uh, all the data shows that the most influential person to an employee is his his or her immediate superior. And it goes all the way up. Um, the vice president's most immediate uh, influential superior, obviously, is the president. It has a huge effect on him or her. So... Um, what we do is provide a framework, a system that says, look, this is the logic behind how you create this culture, and, and these are the assessments that will tell you where you are uh, in in this continuum. You're either way over by hired hands or you're way over by business partners, but somewhere you're in between there, a- and there are elements of your management practices that you can tweak or tune to improve the relationship between labor and management, between the employees and the company, between the organization and the workforce, however you want to phrase it.
1: So... So I have about a minute left with you here before this break, Tom, and I'm talking with Thomas McCoy. He's president of Employee Engagement Institute. I, I wanted to ask, when you when you show the results of the assessments to the senior leadership, the C-suite, if they have such a thing in the companies that you work for, the top executives, are they ever surprised by what the assessments tell them about the culture that their company has versus the culture that they thought their company had?
2: Yeah. They are um, almost always surprised because if they're a traditional organization with a traditional management style, they're only about 50 on a scale of 1 to 100. And that's usually an eye-opener for them. And uh, we use the data to drill down and show exactly where the, the low scores are and where the high scores are and, and whether there's a disconnect between what they think and what the management thinks and what the employees think. And so what they do is they begin to get a a, a visual representation of the relationships between the hierarchy and the relationships between the functions uh, relative to the overall business strategy.
1: We're talking with Thomas McCoy here on Critical Mass Radio Show. He's president of Employee Engagement Institute. We're going to take a very short time out here, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're listening to us live on octalkradio.net, you may not want to walk away from your computer. If you're listening to us a podcast, no reason to hit the skip 30-second button because we're going to be back in less than that probably. The question I'd like to open up the next segment with, Tom, if you're comfortable with it, is how does your firm – help companies maximize profit in other words specifically what are the things that you are doing inside your clients that help them not only develop this culture that's so valuable but also leads to improved profitability is that a good subject to talk about when we come back
2: i'll answer that when we come back
1: all right stay tuned ladies and gentlemen right back after these words from our sponsor
0: richard franzi is the author of two popular business books for ceo's His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO Peer Groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles.
1: Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show. Since we first started broadcasting our show, we've reached over 200,000 listeners with our live show and our podcast. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software to find our weekly podcast interviews. All right, we're talking with Thomas McCoy. He's president of Employee. Engagement Institute, and in the first segment we ended it with saying, I'd like you to specifically address how you help companies maximize their profit, Thomas.
2: Sure. Um, EEI is a coaching, training, and consulting company. And we help other companies perform at their full potential by tuning their management practices. That is, everything that has to do with their people and processes. So the first thing we do is we provide education and training on culture development and employee engagement, what it is, how to do it, what models work, what models don't. This results in the ability of the leadership to create an engagement strategy as a line item in their business plan, not, not, not as an HR item. Culture development and employee engagement is not an HR function, it's an executive uh, strategy function. So uh, we provide the education and training Then we conduct a needs analysis. Uh, We either uh, run a culture and engagement survey uh, that's based on our partnership model, uh, or we run a quality of work experience survey, or we run our brand-new succession planning survey, and and we develop custom solutions and training curriculum based on the survey results, based on what the employees are telling us about the effectiveness or lack thereof of the management practices. So, for example, if you've got a motivation problem, uh, it might have something to do with incentive pay uh, or could be solved with a long-term incentive plan on a on midterm and leadership level. Uh, or it could be have something to do with work redesign. We help with all of that. Uh, if uh, there's a need to develop accountability, we do that with department-level scorecards. Uh, identifying the deliverables, uh, from each department, uh, and who their customers are that they work, that they deliver to. Uh, if you have trouble retaining key employees, uh, we run the succession planning survey and identify what they're telling us is a problem for them at the organization. What would drive them away? might be not, might be the pay structures wrong might be the accountability structures wrong might be the communicate whatever it is that assessment shows us what's what's putting that key employee at risk the one who's essential to your succession planning you want to know about that and be able to address that early um, it's the same kind of a tool that we use for developing the bench strength and maintaining that uh, if you want to reduce Uh, If you want to solve your customer satisfaction problems or quality problems, we provide training in voice of the customer and Mm -hmm. service level agreements. But only if the assessment says this is an issue, this is the tool we ought to use for that. If you want to reduce costs, we do that with root cause analysis training. Uh, And if you want to improve workflow and efficiency and increase the ease of operations, in other words, take the friction out of your organization's processes, uh, then we provide action planning training for what we call DATS, D-A-T-S, which is Department Action Teams. We did that for one company, and in the first year, along with the uh, uh, incentive pay scorecard, they developed uh, action plans for 250 problems that they took control of, identified root cause and solved. And, of course, uh, that resulted in a significant increase in profitability for that year and all continuing years because they took the, the, the problems and, and waste out of the organization. But it also reduced their turnover. And word started to get out that this was a pretty good place to work. So they had people lining up at the door rather than lining out, lining out the door. Um, so uh, all this leads to a measurable increase in engagement scores year over year, which is directly correlated uh, to a measured increase in profit and growth. And that seems to be the case for all of the clients that we've
1: worked with. I'm speaking with Thomas McCoy. A couple follow-up questions, if I could. First of all, what size companies, what's the range of in size, employees or revenue that your firm typically works with?
2: Yeah, um, we like to work with mid-sized companies, uh, 150 employees, um, 25 to 250 million in revenue. Uh, we've worked for bigger firms. We worked for uh, 800 million dollar firm going for uh, that wanted to become a billion dollar firm. This was a privately held company. we also also worked for major corporations like uh, Essochem and, and Pedevesa. And international papers. So, but our sweet spot is the privately owned mid-market company, uh, anywhere from 50 to 150 or 250 employees.
1: So, I love the thank you. I love the fact that your engagement is really based on the feedback given to you through the various assessments that you use, so that you're not making work, but you're actually working on what the organization is telling you are the maybe most pressing problems. Uh, it, that sounds like to me to be a very healthy way to be introduced to help work on improving the culture and the productivity and performance of the company. Are, are those assessments developed by your firm, or are they a combination of things that you've built and that you bring in from industry?
2: Uh, they're developed by our firm based on a lot of uh, background research. Our most recent one was done was based on the research done by a uh, professor of psychology at the University of Chicago, So it's all based on behavioral research uh, and uh, going way back to our core partnership model of uh, 23 years ago, and we've just been building on that.
1: So I'm talking with Thomas McCoy. He is the president of, I call it, Employee Engagement Institute. I hear you calling it EEI for short, which is fine. I can refer to it either way you'd like, sir. Um, My question for you is, have you had a chance to work with Companies that are ESOPs, owned by partially or completely owned by employees.
2: Oh yes, yes we have, um, and we enjoy doing that. Uh, the our system, which we call uh, Applied Engagement System, um, because that's what we do. We apply the tools uh, to engage the people. Uh, every component of the system is a standalone component, very effective on its own uh... and very flexible so the system itself is flexible you can use one piece of it like an incentive pay plan uh... you can use more than one you can run the survey and say okay the survey tells me i need an incentive pay plan some action planning training uh... some service level agreement training but but you know what i'm only going to do one thing right now this year i'm going to do the incentive pay plan and scorecard and we'll see what effect that has on the survey so um, so, yes, we have worked with ESOPs based on what their needs are. We usually run the, um, the survey, and we replace the word partner with owner, because mm-hmm. that's what they are. Uh, one of the reasons we really emphasize partnership is because everybody can be a partner in one way or another. But unless it is an ESOP, or unless you do own stock, you are not an owner. And semantics are everything when you're talking to a workforce. They listen very clearly to what you have to say. And if you say, I want you to think and act like an owner, they say, well, I can't do that. I've never been one. I don't know what one is. And besides, why should I? If you say, we're all going to be partners here, everybody can get on board. Everybody can believe that. So that's all we do. Uh, We change the word partner to owner because it's applicable for an ESOP. And otherwise, 99% of the stuff we do fits right into that ESOP mold.
1: Perfect. You know, Thomas, one of the... One of the things that I believe, having worked now nine years with middle market lower middle market companies, is their best chance at at sustainable differentiation over their competitors, large and small, is an engaged workforce because it it is such a hard thing for other companies who don't focus on that to want to create. so so it sounds like um, first of all, uh, does that make sense to you that having an engaged workforce for a lower middle market firm is a sustainable differentiator?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it also, uh, if it's a privately held company or, or even public, but uh, it adds, it increases the value of the organization. Um, whatever the market multiplier is, you can add another 0.5 to it if you can prove that you have an engaged workforce. And that's what a lot of these privately held companies that we do business with. That's what they do is they they run that survey and then 12 months later they run it again and they show an increase and they show a steady trending increase up until some point where they begin to plateau, which is okay. But that solid data shows any investor uh, that they're not buying a problem, that they've got a fully engaged workforce and and a very, uh, what I would consider, wise and competent leadership.
1: It seems to me too that when you when you go through the process of working with a company such as yours Tom and you and you make these process and people improvements and you build this engagement and partnership mentality that 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 culture that is the byproduct of that actually helps to to reinforce and maintain itself is is that your experience that once you once you build this into an organization the people then can sort of self control it and help to maintain and improve it
2: that's a real good observation Rick you're absolutely right because what what we wind up creating is something better for the employee than existed before it's better for the employee uh, they have a uh, it's better for the leadership and it's better for the organization overall so nobody really wants entropy to take over again and and have it collapse back into something that uh, that is less than it is now and so they work to keep it uh, sustained and once the systems are in place, it's not a lot of work. It's mostly communications and talking. and It's communications and measurement. So understanding what's expected of me and understanding the information or the data that I'm receiving, giving me uh, the tools to act on the, on the data, that empowers me. Uh, leadership has to invest some time they have to give me the time so that I can participate in group problem-solving and activities Uh, and then I have to have a reason to do that and that's the incentive pay and as long as all of that uh, is a self-funding package then it's a real positive uh, and long-term strategic advantage
1: I feel like I've just scratched the surface with what you know about employee engagement, and I, I'm taking notes here that I need to get you back in, on the program and go a little deeper. And Anyway, so if you want to do that. The last question, I have about two Love minutes you. with you. you, Tom, and that is, Is it? do you agree with this, that when you have a culture that works and you're proud of it and that's self-enforcing and reinforcing, it's very critical that you hire people to fit your culture? And if so, do you help companies in that aspect as well?
2: Oh Yes, absolutely. We've gotten a pre-hire assessment that says, what are your expectations? And we match them up against the department that they're going into, and we can very quickly identify, oh, you know what? You're going to be disappointed in this area over here because we don't do that very well. And that shows up as very important to you. So let's have a conversation about that to see if, if you could even – fit in an environment like this and thrive until we fix it, or vice versa. If you're really proud and you've got a good culture, you can show um, uh, a new hire, maybe somebody who's on the fence that you want, but you can't afford to pay them what they're asking, and, hey, look at the culture that you're moving into. Uh, so there's a, a lot of advantages uh, to that, but, yes, you need to hire into the culture,
1: So we're Uh, we're going to have to end this interview today here on Critical Mass Radio Show. The next time we get together, I'd really like to explore your assessments and how millennials are showing up in your assessments. Can we have that conversation the next time?
2: Oh, yeah, that would be wonderful. Thank you very much.
1: So before we let you go, though, if someone in the audience is interested in learning more about your firm, how do they find you online, Thomas?
2: Uh, Our website is employeeengagementinstitute.com. All one word, a lot of opportunity for misspelling, but uh, <laughs> if, you, if you put that in, you'll get it. Or you can email me at TJMcCoy, my initial is Thomas James, TJ McCoy at E-M-P-E-N-G dot com. I shortened it to avoid the spelling errors, so that's first part of employee, E-M-P, and this first part of engagement, E-N-G, E-M-P-E-N-G
1: dot com. I want to thank you for being uh, a friend of this program, a part of the critical mass community, and I am so excited to think that we can have you back on a future uh, program and talk more about employee engagement and, and how it relates with millennials. Thank you for your time today, sir.
2: You're welcome, Rick. Thank you for the opportunity
1: you're welcome all right ladies and gentlemen don't go anywhere if you're listening to us live on the oc talk radio stream we're going to be back in 30 seconds or less if you're listening to us as a podcast the show is over and you'll be automatically hopefully tuned into our next podcast coming up is brian smith he is the founder of Ugg australia brand don't go anywhere we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor <music> If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great Board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group.